Hey, this is Callista Garcia, and you're listening to KCSU Fort Collins. This is the Rocky Mountain Review for Tuesday, October 27th, 2020. I'm your host, Coda Babcock. And I'm Ivy Winfrey. And you're listening to KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, I'll be updating you on campus and local news, and then we'll be hearing from KCSU Sports Director Dixon Lawson. Then we'll be hearing from Julia Rosenwald of the Presidential Task Force on Jewish Inclusion and the Prevention of Anti-Semitism, and I'll be delivering some national news after that. To conclude the show, Cuddle will be giving some updates on COVID-19. Let's move right into campus and local news. Hello again. My name is Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU. This is the Rocky Mountain Review. Uh, Starting off with campus news, according to Maggie Hall Walsh at CSU Source, Colorado State University has signed a partnership with Namaste Solar and Solaris Energy Companies to double the amount of solar energy used to power the Fort Collins campuses. Through the agreement, Namaste Solar, an employee-owned cooperative based in Colorado, will develop, design, and construct solar arrays at up to 30 sites at CSU's campuses and provide long-term operations and maintenance. CSU will retain ownership of renewable energy credits attributed to new systems, and locally-based Solaris Energy will provide the needed financing for the project, and then own and manage the systems as part of its larger asset portfolio. According to Carol Dollard, CSU utility engineer, CSU is a leader in many aspects of sustainability, and we are always proud of that. Sustainability in operations is actually the area where we have the most room for improvement, and this project helps us close the gap. More solar installations will continue to advance carbon emissions and help us on the path to 100% renewable electricity, end quote. Dollard said that the solar partnership will save CSU money and hedge against future electricity rate increases since the rate of solar energy is fixed for the length of the contract, typically 20 to 25 years. And it will also reduce carbon and other emissions associated with electricity from the grid. In January 2017, President Tony Frank signed a pledge to power the campus by 100% renewable energy by 2030. That commitment was bolstered in 2018 when the city of Fort Collins and the Platte River Power Authority made the same promises. CSU currently has solar arrays on engineering buildings at Christmas Field, the Student Recreation Center, University Center for the Arts, Academic Village, Behavioral Science Building, Lake Street Parking Garage, Research Innovation Center, Morgan Library Q, Powerhouse Energy Campus, Braden Hall, Parmley Hall, Veterinary Teaching Hospital, and Edwards Hall. For more information on this and other sustainability initiatives at CSU, you can visit green.colostate.edu. According to Tiana Nelson at CSU Source, CSU's Denver campus is now fully under construction after ground was broken for the building on CSU uh, on the CSU Spur campus this morning. According to the press release, quote, the CSU Spur campus will be the first of its kind in the nation, an urban public-facing campus focused on global challenges that deploys, deploys the resources, programs, and research of diverse partners and entire university system, CSU, CSU Pueblo, and CSU Global. The final bidding, uh, building, dubbed the Hydro Building, will be focused on programs pertaining to and building upon CSU's long-held expertise in water and contribute to the overall campus mission of convening partners and experts for the public good. The Hydro Building joins the CSU Spur Terra Building, which is focused on food and agriculture and broke ground in September, as well as the Vita Building, which is focused on animal and human health and broke ground in May. 
According to the press release, the CSU Spur Campus buildings, the Hydro, Terra, and Vita buildings, add up nearly 300,000 square feet of space, much of which is focused on unique learning experiences and will take experimental learning to the max. Visitors can take part in the action by watching scientists in labs, veterinarians in surgery, artists in studio, and by exploring, exploring interactive exhibits throughout all three buildings. CSU System Chancellor Tony Frank said of the occasion, quote, We're grateful for the partnership with Denver Water that's allowing this third spur building to come to life, and we're looking forward to opening the doors to this entire new campus in 2022 to showcase the innovation, creativity, and fun of our three higher education institutions, CSU, CSU Pueblo, and CSU Global, to people of all ages, end quote. Moving on to local news, according to Miles Blumhardt at the Collegian, Sunday's snowstorm was instrumental in slowing the advance of the Cameron Peak and East Troublesome fires. The East Troublesome Fire, the rapidly burned through the Rocky Mountain National Park from the park's gateway communities of Grand Lake to Estes Park on Saturday, was greatly tamed Sunday. In fact, so much snow fell that firefighters were pulled off the lines as the snow made for unsafe travel conditions. Monday's snowfall reports included 24 inches for Red Feather Lakes, 21 inches for Cameron Pass, 15 to 21 inches for parts of East Troublesome Fire, and around half that much at lower elevations of the fire. Paul Dermercio, Cameron Peak Fire Operations Section Chief, said during the Sunday's video update that it may be quite a few days before we see fire activity on the ground again. Fire behavior analysis Glenn Lewis uh, said Monday night that the snow was, quote, a very positive development. So long as the snow is there, basically the fire has stopped all real spread as long as the snow remains there. But it's important to remember that this is not a fire-ending or season-ending event. In order for this fire to really go out, it's going to need a bunch more moisture on it. It's going to need to stay cold for an extended period of time. And that moisture needs some time to really soak into the fuels out there. End quote. The Cameron Peak Fire is over 208,000 acres at 64% containment. There are more than 18,000 personnel working on the fire as of Tuesday. The entire East Troublesome Fire is over 192,000 acres with 20% containment. There are 794 personnel working under that incident command team. The Cameron Peak Fire is the largest wildfire in Colorado history. The East Troublesome Fire is the second largest. According to Kevin Duggan of the Coloradoan, Larimer County has issued an emergency public health order limiting attendance at recreational sports events and personal gatherings. This emergency order was spurred by the rapidly increasing COVID-19 case rates in the county. As of Friday, the county's 14-day case rate for COVID hit 193 per 100,000 residents. The test positivity rate for the disease reached 4.1%. On September 16th, the incident rate was 74 per 100,000, and the test pos positivity rate was 2.4%. Hospitalizations in the county have increased to a level not seen since May. Tom Gonzalez... Larimer County Public Health Director stated in a press release, quote, We need to implement these targeted strategies to reduce transmission of COVID-19 in Larimer County, thus reducing illness and a, pot a potential surge on the medical system, while avoiding further restrictions on our schools, businesses, and places of worship, end quote. Colorado health officials on Friday issued a statewide order limiting personal gatherings to 10 people in no more than two households in response to the state's spiking COVID numbers. Larimer County's order carries the same limits. Other restrictions include recreational sports are limited to players who reside in Larimer County or Weld and Boulder counties. 
Organized recreational and league sports are limited to two spectators per player with no more than 50% of capacity, up to 100 spectators in indoor facilities and 175 in outdoor facilities. All teams and facilities participating in recreational and league sports must complete and submit uh, rosters, schedules, and locations of games and practices, as well as contact information of all the team members or parents of youth who participate prior to teams playing at any league events, including practices. Personal indoor and outdoor gatherings are limited to no more than 10 people from no more than two separate households. Restaurants and bars must cease alcohol beverage sales for on-premise consumption and for takeout at 11 p.m. Non-critical office-based businesses are encouraged to increase remote work options and reduce in-person work as much as possible. The order does not prohibit the gathering of people living in the same household, nor does it limit access to voting centers or ballot drop-off sites. And that's it for right now. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review at 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. We'll be right back. Tune in Saturday nights, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. for Clear Night Sky, hosted by DJ Hurricane. Dixon Lawson, and you're tuned into the RMR Sports Report. Last weekend was supposed to be the opening day for CSU football uh, for the 2020 season, but due to COVID cancellations, that game was forfeited by New Mexico, and so that means that CSU football will start their season on the road this Thursday, 8 p.m. against Fresno State. After that, they will be coming home to face Wyoming in what is always an amazing border war matchup. Either way, though, first CSU will have to be Fresno State, like I said, coming up on Thursday, 8 p.m., so be sure to get out there and cheer on the Rams. In case you missed it, this weekend was the first episode of the KCSU pregame show, or what we dubbed it, the preseason show, which had special guest Mayor Troxtel coming in to speak with us. We sat him down. We had some trivia. Uh, we got to learn some pretty cool facts just about CSU and uh, about KCSU as well. Um, so be sure to go to kcsufm.com, look under the sports podcast page, and be sure to find the KCSU preseason show. That is going to do it for the RMR Sports Report. I have been Dixon Lawson. Have a great rest of your day.
so today I am joined by Julia Rosenwall, uh, a member of the Presidential Task Force on Jewish Inclusion and Prevention of Anti-Semitism. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So for listeners who aren't up to date on the story, um, you sent an email over the weekend on behalf of the Presidential Task Force uh, alleging that Dr. Melina Abdullah, who was invited as a keynote speaker for CSU's 2020 symposium, uh, that she act heavily associates herself with Luis Farrakhan, the head of the organization known as the Nation of Islam, um, which is considered widely uh, as a hate group by multiple experts, including the Southern Poverty Law Center. Um, and both Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam have espoused anti-Semitic and anti-LGBTQ plus viewpoints in the past. And Abdullah herself once gave a speech during a 2015 Nation of Islam rally, also attended by Farrakhan. Additionally, the email alleged that Abdullah herself has previously shared and responded positively to anti-Semitic tweets. Uh, the email also provided direct verified links to the posts on Abdullah's Twitter and Facebook pages. Uh, so for my first question, I wanted to ask what the timeline of this whole situation looked like for those of you on the task force. Um, how did you first find out this information and how is it currently looked on your end of the story? Sure, thank you so much for, for the question. Yeah, so uh, Wednesday evening, so that would be, let me, uh, Wednesday the 14th, the evening of Wednesday the 14th, um, we were reached out by multiple members of the Jewish community of Fort Collins. Um, letting us know of, of uh, Dr. Abdullah's association with Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. Um, and that, that's really when we were alerted to, to this issue. Um, so in the email, you, uh, you outlined three demands that the, the task force had, um, which for, for CSU to disinvite Abdullah, for Abdullah to make a public and written statement renouncing her association with Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam, and for CSU to explain why they didn't do a thorough background check on Abdullah and to publicly apologize to CSU's Jewish and LGBTQ plus communities. Thus far, none of these demands have been met. Uh, President McConnell issued a statement saying she's aware of the controversy, and Abdullah issued a statement on a CSU webpage denying all the allegations against her. Uh, how is the task force dealing with these developments and how has communication between the task force and CSU been since the situation first developed? Great question. Uh, before, before I answer that directly, I would like to make it really clear that we as a task force, as well as me individually, are proud supporters of the Black Lives Movement, uh, Black Lives Matter movement. We are proud supporters of all minorities, whether it's LGBTQ, as, as I identify within that community as well, as both Jewish and LGBTQ. Um, we are proud supporter of, uh, of Muslims um, and, and any minority on campus. So before, before we go any further, I wanted to make that very, very clear um, that our, our demands were regarding specifically Dr. Abdullah and her association with these, uh, with Farrakhan and the um, Nation of Islam. Um, in terms of uh, the email that was sent out with these demands, um, we, we, are, we are asking for, uh, so in terms of the email that was sent out, um, I want to publicly thank uh, President McConnell and all of the administration that has been working with us. Um, we hope 
we do not want to cause a divide. In fact, we want the complete opposite. We are looking for collaboration uh, with, within the university um, to, to address anti-Semitism and homophobia, transphobia, and any anti-LGBTQ rhetoric. Um, McCon McCon President McConnell's email, um, we have spoken to her um, and we will be meeting with her um, directly and we are looking forward to collaborating with her um, and, and seeing how we can move forward. Um, uh, regarding communication with administration, um, we have been in direct communication with administration um, and we are really looking forward to collaborating. Um, and in terms of how we have been dealing with, with the response from administration, um, we are, uh, I know I personally have been both uh, hurt as a student that Dr. Abdullah was invited in the first place um, because of her association. Um, and I know that um, many others share that, that hurt. Um, um, I, I, I wanted to uh, ask uh, just a little bit of a follow-up question. So how has, um, how has the task force, uh, task force's uh, response been to uh, CSU uh, publicly publishing uh, Abdullah's uh, dismissal of the entire situation? Uh, Abdullah specifically uh, referred to the accusations as coming from uh, white supremacist sources um, and I, I just wanted to uh, ask how uh, how the, the task force uh, views that and re is responding to that. Uh, yeah, so I personally, um, obviously I cannot speak on behalf of entire task force today, um, but personally I was really hurt. Like I mentioned before, we are not trying to create divides in any capacity. Uh, intersectionality is so, so, so crucial for all of these conversations. Um, and the specific uh, allegations that white supremacists are specifically um, targeting Abdullah, it is possible, but it is not from us, from the task force. Um, like I mentioned, yes, I identify as a white individual, but I am a LGBTQ non-binary person. Um, I am not part of this cis heteronormative um, uh, narrative that she was uh, quoted. And uh, I, I too fight for the rights that she, that she brought up. Um, so I, I was personally really hurt. I know a lot of our task force members were also really hurt by that. Um, and I don't think it truly shows the whole story. Of, of what's going on here. Um, finally, I wanted to ask uh, what the, the task force plans are looking like, both about dealing with this current situation and the task force's relations with the university, um, uh, specifically because it appears as though the university uh, disregarded uh, the task force, the force's demands and um, uh, the, the information that was uh, brought about in that email that you sent out. Um, I was wondering how, what does it look like moving forward for both uh, the task force in uh, this situation with Abdullah, um, if there's anything, if there's anything in the future about the situation? Yeah, I think this is just the start. I think this is 
this we have been fighting as a task force since we were created in June and we have had members of our task force even before then uh, for months fighting for the the uh, the creation of a task force and we have been as a group learning about the different systems within CSU uh, why one one of them most importantly is that I'd like to mention is the lack of, as you mentioned, the lack of uh, acknowledgement. And that is because of the reporting system and, and how it all works. Um, we are very grateful that we had the opportunity to speak with a lot of different CSU departments. Um, and we learned a lot that students do not feel comfortable reporting as a Jewish person uh, through this process. And so the university does not know that there is a problem. And that's the initial problem is acknowledging it, saying that there is an issue, which is obviously have come to light in a, in a way more public manner um, by, by Dr. Abdullah's invitation here and her association with Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. Um, so students are scared. Students are, are scared of the, uh, the possible physical harm to themselves should they report um and the not only that but but the lack of support when they do report um so there's there's a lot of multi-level uh inner workings that are that are playing out right now and their task force uh has many many different we have toes in, in a lot of different areas right now whether it's um learning the bias reporting system as i mentioned um, trying to create more safe places on campus specifically for Jewish students. And when I say specifically for Jewish students, we are, all, we are fighting once again for the uplifting of every minority, uh, every intersectional minority. Um, and so we, we, moving forward, we hope to have a more direct communication with uh, administration, making sure that they understand what it means, what anti-Semitism means, what it means to be intersectional, we are hoping to provide, provide more training, not only for faculty and employees, but also for students so they know what their resources are. Um, as a student myself, as a graduate student myself, I find that there's a lot of, um, you know, blockages to get to the information I need. And I, although I am appreciative that the information is there, it should be way more public than it, than it is. Um, so we, we have been, fighting for a long time and we continue, we continue to advocate for our students, for our faculty, for staff, not only in, at CSU, but for in the wider Fort Collins community as well and, and beyond. Um, and we are, we are proud. We are proud to be doing this work. Um, sorry, there's a, there's a fly. Uh, <laughs> um, and we want to collaborate. We want to work with others and, um, we have a lot of plans. We, we know, we have learned what CSU needs to work on and we're using this as a jumping off, off, jumping off point. All right, um, that's all the questions I have for you. Um, uh, Julia, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Again, that was Julia Rosenwald with the Presidential Task Force on Jewish Inclusion and Prevention of Anti-Semitism.
You can find out more information on CSU's website about the task force at president.colostate.edu slash presidential task force on Jewish inclusion and the prevention of anti-Semitism. did last night are you dying to hear about the twitter beef your favorite rapper was involved in well look no further because you can find all that and more tomorrow from 3 to 5 p.m with me dj dallas and me dj asher here on 90.5 kcsu for collins and we're back on the rocky mountain review i'm coda babcock and this is national news highlights for october 27th According to Barbara Sprunt at National Public Radio, Amy Coney Barnett has been confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court Monday morning. The Senate voted 52 to 48 in her confirmation, 30 days after she was nominated and just eight days before an election. Barnett will be replacing Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who passed away in mid-September. Barnett has st- ha- still has to take her judicial oath before becoming a justice for the Supreme Court. According to Doyle Rice at USA Today, there may be water on the sunlit side of the moon. Paul Hertz, the director of the NASA Astrophysics Division, said, quote, This discovery challenges our understanding of the lunar surface and raises intriguing questions about resources relevant for deep space exploration, end quote. Astronauts in future lunar bases may be able to use this new discovery for drinking water and fuel production. While the discovery of water is important, it's still unknown if this water can be used as a resource at all. According to Barbara Sprint at NPR, over 62 million early ballots have been sent out, meaning that the 2020 election may have record levels of voter turnout. The current ballot amount is around 15 million more than for early ballots received in the 2016 election, and voters have already cast 45% of overall votes counted in that election. Texas voters have already matched 82% of total ballots from the state in the 2016 election. Some experts believe that voter turnout for this election could be record-setting for overall turnout. That's all for National News Highlights, and I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on KCSU Fort Collins. We'll be right back with COVID-19 updates. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is our COVID-19 update for October 27th. Colorado State University has 638 cumulative cases of COVID-19, and the recent spike in cases has started to go back down. Lamar County currently has, or has nearly 3,900 cases and 57 deaths. The county risk score has remained at medium. Larimer County has seen 49 new cases in the past 24 hours, and every day in the past two weeks has seen over 15 new cases per day. There are 24 COVID-19 patients in the hospital, and overall utilization is at 63%. ICU usage is at around 74%. The state of Colorado has seen over 97,000 cases, and over 2,000 people have died as a result of COVID-19. There have been over 1,000 outbreaks statewide, and over 1 million people have been tested in the state. The U.S. is facing a large spike, with cases increasing by 40% and deaths increasing by 14%. 
There are over 8.7 million cases nationwide and over 225,000 deaths. The Midwestern U.S. is currently experiencing some pretty severe spikes. More than 214,000 cases have been reported among colleges and universities in the U.S. Information for today's segment was gathered from CSU's COVID site, Larimer County, Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, the New York Times, and the Centers for Disease Control. For CSU-specific COVID resources, you can visit covid.colostate.edu, and, and for resources available for use by any U.S. resident, visit cdc.gov coronavirus. I'm Coda Babcock, and that's all for today's COVID-19 update. I'm having so much fun. Get over here with that pool noodle. Hope you brought your bathing suit. Stop running. Because after the show, we're taking a trip in the hot tub's time machine and playing all the songs of a year from history. Mom, how do I turn on the bubbles? They're already on. Keep it here on 90.5 KCSU. Cannonball! And now for the weather. Today, we're experiencing some pretty cold weather, but luckily a bit warmer than yesterday with a high of 37 and a low of 22. The sun has come out today, but tomorrow some clouds will be back, bringing about a 10% chance of snow with them. Tomorrow's high is 47 and the low will be 27, and winds will be picking up to 7 miles per hour. Thursday will be almost exactly the same, although clouds will go away and winds will reduce back down to 5 miles per hour. For Friday, You'll have to listen in this Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. on the Rocky Mountain Review, only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And that's all for today. I, we just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank Thomas Taylor, Asher Korn, Stephanie Keel, Hannah Copeland, Addison Lambert, Griffin Ham, Jonathan Gillum, Ben Kruger, Ben Haney, Dixon Lawson, Peter Walk, Taylor Sandal, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media Corporation. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Ivy. And finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you. And with that, we'll see you next time. <laughs>